you have a seat. Um, at this time, if you have kids that are kindergarten to third grade, yeah, they can dismiss for Children's Church with Melody out the back, uh, and they'll have a great time down there, but they can go. Um, for those of you that are new to Living Hope, I, my name is Rondi Taylor. I am the pastor here. Uh, and so today, it's my joy to introduce Keith Evans, who's going to be preaching for us. Uh, last week, you guys, we had Dr. Jeff Orge here, who uh, started the church that we grew up in Oregon. Uh, and then he turned it over to Keith, who was the pastor there for quite a long time. Keith has been, uh, my, was my pastor from like sixth, sixth grade through until uh, I moved to Montana. So for a long time, for about 15 years, he was my pastor. He's been a formal and informal mentor throughout the last 10 years for me. Uh, he uh, did our wedding uh, 10 years ago in Portland. And so we're just so excited to have him here. Uh, their church was the uh, was our sending church to come start this church in Russia or in in or they were our sending church from Oregon to start this church here in Green River. Uh, they wrote us our first check to start the church and um, just been a faithful supporter and prayer warrior for you and for us. And so so happy to have him, uh, Keith Evans. Uh, you're on. All right. Well, it is great to be with you today. Turn on this little baby here. There we go. It, it is a privilege. I've looked forward to being with you. Uh, we have prayed for you for many years since since before the church began. So it's it's great for me to get to see your faces and to get to be with you um, today. We obviously love Rondi and Melody and have loved them for many years and watched them uh, fall in love with each other and date and get married and all of that. And so. Uh, just so proud of how the Lord is, has used them and is using them and is working through you as a church. And I hear how, uh, how the Lord's using you as a church in this community. And I'm just so thankful and proud of you for that. And especially coming out of COVID, as hard as these days have been, and, um, I, I say coming out, we don't really know if we're out of it. Uh, I think we're not, but uh, we wish we were, and wherever, whatever this, wherever this leads, you know, we trust the Lord to lead us through that. And I just, uh, I'm thankful for you, and and just thankful to be uh, to be with you. My wife Beverly sends her love with you as, to you as well. Um, I serve now. Uh, I I don't serve as the lead pastor uh, of Pathway Church in in the Portland area where where Melody and Rondi are from. I I now live in Eastern Washington in Pullman, Washington, where Washington State University is. And I serve on staff of a church called Resonate, which is a, ch a collegiate church planting church. And we're on uh, 15 universities, and I get to mentor all of the pastors on the ones on each of those universities. And then I also serve uh, with the North American Mission Board in the Mountain West states, uh, Montana, Wyoming, Utah, Idaho, Oregon, Washington, in the area of pastor care. And so I've been this week just kind of started in Billings and been just driving south all week, just meeting with pastors on my way down and hopefully trying to give some encouragement to them as, as they're serving the Lord. And so been looking forward to getting to be with you today. We're going to be in the book of Joshua in the Old Testament, Joshua chapter 3. And uh, I want to talk with you today about what it means to live by faith. What do we mean? What does it, what does it mean to live by faith? Now, we have a lot of a lot of uh, statements that we make about living by faith. Sometimes, sometimes when uh, when hard questions come, sometimes the answer is just, "Well, just have faith." Like, don't ask hard questions; just have faith, whatever that means. And I would say that's not a great response to hard questions. It's good to have hard questions. Uh, sometimes 
our idea of living by faith means that uh, I have nothing but certainty in my life. I never have any big questions. I just know exactly what the Lord wants me to do. I have no confusion in the direction of my life. That's what it means to live by faith. I can tell you, if that is what it means to live by faith, I'm in big trouble if there's no questions at all. Others say that if you really live by faith, you're just going to see these miracles around you every day, these amazing things that God does. And is that what it means to live by faith? I, I remember uh, hearing about uh, these uh, two nuns who had been ministering, and they, they, were, they were heading back home, and uh, they ran out of gas. And so they're like, well, what are we going to do? Oh, I, I, there was a gas station about a mile back. We'll just go back and we'll get some gas and we'll, we'll put it in the car. Well, they were looking through their car and they didn't have a gas can. The only thing, they'd been doing some kind of some medical missions work, the only container they could find was a bedpan. So they carried the bedpan back to the gas station. They filled it up with gasoline and they walked back and they're, they're holding up this bedpan and they're pouring gasoline into the car. Well, about the time they're doing this, this, uh, this truck drives by, and this truck driver sees two nuns holding up a bedpan, pouring its contents into the, the gas tank of a car. And the truck driver goes, now that's faith. <laughs> now, is that what faith is? It, it, what is faith? Um, I, I want us to look today a little bit about what it means just to have faith, but to live by faith. Now, the Bible gives us some, uh, some direction, some explanation of what faith is. Hebrews chapter 11, the writer, writer of Hebrews, uh, in, in verse 1 there, chapter 11, he says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. In, in other words, faith in God is not just wishful thinking. It means even though we don't see God with our eyes, we can have this growing certainty of who he is and what he will do. And if you were to read a few verses down in that same chapter in, in Hebrews 11, if you come to verse 6, writer says this, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, that should cause us to pause right there, right? What in the world? That's, a, that's quite a statement. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that come, comes to God must believe that he is and that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Well, it sounds like faith's pretty important, doesn't it? If, if it's impossible to please God without faith. So, I think we need to kind of have an understanding of what faith is as we get started. And what I'd like to do is just give a definition of what it means to have faith. This is just my definition. I'm sure there are better ones out there. But this one has been helpful to me, and I want to give it to you. And that, this definition is this, is that faith is simply my growing confidence in God. Faith is my growing confidence in God. And I, I selected those words Carefully, it's my growing confidence. And, and I don't care how old we are, we could always grow, right? We never arrive. So, but what, what, what is wonderful about a relationship with Jesus is that we can grow in our confidence in Him. We can grow in our confidence. What do we mean by our confidence in God? Well, our confidence of, of who He is, our confidence of His character our confidence of his presence with us, our confidence of his ability to work through and in and through our lives. You see, I really believe that this is true for every person, that our view of God 
shapes everything about us. Our view of what God is like shapes how we do life. And so as our confidence in who God really is, who he really is, as it grows, that's, that is our faith in him growing. Our confidence in his character. Listen, there's one aspect of God that we must settle, and that is that God is good. Do you really believe that he's good, or are you not quite sure? You see, when we're not completely sure that God is good, whenever hard times come, then there's these questions that hang over us, right? Well, why is God letting this happen? Well, we may have that question, but if we're not sure he's good, how do we know he's good, by the way? We cannot determine if God is good based on our current circumstances because so many of our current circumstances are not good, right? But there is an event that we can look back to that can settle the goodness of God, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ. When Jesus died for us, that is the greatest, most loving act of goodness ever to take place. When he took upon himself the sin we deserve, and he took death so that we could receive life, that's how we know he's good. So that is something we can settle. And as we settle that, our confidence in him grows. Our confidence in his presence. And when we come to know Jesus, he indwells us with his spirit. There is not a place that we go that he is not with us. What if we really live like that? What if we were really confident that God is with us? And we're confident in his ability. That God is able to handle what we are facing. Again, it's not our current circumstances that have to convince us of that. There is an event in the past when Jesus rose from the dead. He overcame death. There is nothing bigger than him. There is nothing greater than him. So those truths can settle that. And, and as we remember and we have an understanding of who God is, we have this growing confidence in him. That's, that's what it means. That's what faith looks like. It's what it means to live by faith. But here's the thing, we would rather not. We would rather not live by faith. Most of the time, we just don't want to. You know, you know why? Because it's hard. It's hard. We'd rather be comfortable. We'd rather do what we know. We'd, really, we'd rather stay with what's familiar. And we can do that. God doesn't force us to trust him. But oh, what we miss when we choose not to trust him, when we choose not to live by faith. The, the adventure of walking with him, of seeing him provide, of seeing him work, the, the adventure of learning to enjoy him as we walk with him. That is where our story picks up today. The Israelites have for 40 years been suffering the consequences of not trusting God. See, 40 years before the event we look at today took place, the Israelites, God had delivered them from Egypt. He had parted the Red Sea. They, they had come through, and he was leading them to the promised land. They came to a place called Kadesh Barnea, and the Lord said, I want you to go into the promised land. And they sent some spies in, and they said, wait a minute, there's, big, there's giants in there. There's these big, giant people. We're not going in there. And they chose not to trust God. And so the Lord said, okay, for the next 40 years until this generation dies, you're just going to wander in the desert. So we've come now to the end of those 40 years. Their children and grandchildren have now been born and are living, and this generation has died off. And now God is giving this generation 
the opportunity to trust him. So what will they do? That's where we are as we come to Joshua chapter 3. They've come to the edge of the Jordan River. On the other side of the Jordan River is the promised land. But there is a problem. There is something between where they are and where they need to be. And it is the Jordan River. At this time of year, it is at flood stage. Some would estimate that it was about a mile across at that time. So how are they going to get from where they are to where they need to be? Well, that's the story we're going to look at today as we start in in Joshua chapter 3. And what I want to do is I want to give us three statements, three truths of, of what we can learn about God when we are learning to walk by faith. Okay? So the first... The first truth I want to give us is this, is that God often brings opportunities to trust him. He often brings opportunities. Maybe there's a clearer way I could say that. God often brings us to a place of decision. He often brings us to a decision point. Sometimes it's a crossroads. Sometimes it's a crisis where we have to make a decision. And sometimes we feel like, wow, something must be wrong that I've come to this decision place where, where actually... It's not something wrong. God has been leading you to that point. And it's an opportunity to trust him. And that's where they are. They've, the Lord has led them to this predicament. I want you to get over there, but how are you going to get there? Which leads us to a question. How do you follow God forward when you can't see the way through? When your barrier is too big, when the challenge is too great. So let's, let's pick up in verse 2. Of, of Joshua chapter 3. It says this. It says, After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. It said this, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you're to move out from your position and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. Now, very interesting. Jo- jo- the Lord told Joshua, to tell them that I'm going to have the Levitical priest, the, the priests are going to take the Ark of the Covenant, wherever you see the Ark of the Covenant going, moving, that's where I want you to go. Now, the Ark of the Covenant, do you know what that was? It was, it was, just, it was actually a box. It was two feet wide, two feet tall, four feet long. In the box were the tablets of the, of the Ten Commandments and a number of other things. But most importantly, at that time in history, the Ark of the Covenant, that box, represented the presence of God. It had rings on it. They'd put, a, they'd put poles through it, and the priests would carry it by, on these poles across like that. And, and this represented the presence of God. So what he's saying is, when you see the box move, you can know that's where God is going, and you follow the direction of where the Lord is leading you, leading you. He says, I want you to watch for the moving of God. Here's the first statement about living by faith. Living by faith means watching where God is moving. Watching where God is moving. Living by faith is not me moving and hoping God will follow me. It's me learning to recognize where God is moving. Part of what he's saying is, guys, don't, you know, don't jump off half cock and run into the river and he didn't tell him to have a, a committee meeting and figure out how far around the river it is. He said, watch where God is moving. Watch what God is doing. Henry Blackaby said, discover where God is working 
and join him in his work. You see, we don't have to convince God to move. He's already working. We just get to discover where he's working and, and discover how we can join him. Now, how do we do that today? Because God's not a box, right? We don't have a box we follow. How do we learn to recognize where he's moving? Well, I, wanna, I would give us, say that there's at least three ingredients to help us do this, especially when it comes to kind of major decisions. One is we pay attention to just our own sense of direction, that maybe there's something in, we've, like we're like, I'm thinking about going this way and I, and I can't really shake it. I wonder if this is the Lord. You pay attention to that. But along with that, you look at, you look at Scripture. What does Scripture say about particular subjects maybe that you're dealing with? But even more than that, I'm not saying go in to read the Bible and make it find something you want it to say. But in your regular daily reading, just be watching. What does the Lord seem to be saying to me through my regular reading of Scripture? How does that line up with what I've been thinking? With where maybe I've been wondering if this is where God is leading. So you, you look at what he's saying through your regular reading. And then the third ingredient is very important, and that is wise counsel. That you have a few godly people in your life that you trust. That you know that they will say to you what is true, not just what you want them to say. And you you just you don't try to manipulate, you just share, here's what, here's what's happening, here's what I know, what what's your perspective on this? A couple of years ago, when Beverly and I were praying about leaving Pathway Church, wondering if the Lord was leading us to a new chapter, and we had really put on our heart the burden to encourage and care for pastors and wives, but we weren't sure. To be honest with you, the other major assignments the Lord had given us, we didn't really want to do, <laughs> but we went out of obedience. This is the first time we really wanted to do what it seemed like the Lord was leading, and I didn't trust myself. So we took like three years to, to really, Lord, you've got to show us this is you. So one of the things I did is I, I couldn't shake this, so I was paying attention to it. I went to like six or seven mentor type guys, and I just laid out, here's what I'm wondering. We, the opportunity to go be a part of Resonate Church and mentor all those young pastors, um, leave a church that we've been at for more than 20 years that loves us, that we love, and a community that we love. And, and by the way, leave a healthy, a pretty strong church and go and raise our own financial support at my age to, to do this ministry. I expected every person that I shared this with to, to say something like, have you lost your mind? But what was significant to me was not a single one of them did. Not a single one of them did. Every one of them said, you know, seems like the Lord's at work. This seems like this is a real fit for who God's shaped you to be. And some of them were like, I don't really want you to leave this church, but I can't deny it seems like the Lord's at work. And then there was a time when I wasn't even expecting it in reading Scripture, and the Lord made some things very clear to me through Scripture. And he really confirmed. And those three aspects are ways that we can begin to recognize where God is moving. Because it's all about following where he's at work. So that's the first aspect of, of, of following the Lord. We watch where, where he is at work. Which leads to the second truth that we learn about God. The first one is that God will bring us to crises situations where we have to trust him. And that's, 
often not a sign of our disobedience. It might be a sign of our obedience. It might be the Lord very much at work bringing us to this. It may be difficult, but it's an opportunity to learn to follow him. But then the second truth about God and about following him is this, this, is that faith and obedience go together when it comes to following the Lord, when it comes to living by faith. Faith and obedience go together. When we talk about trusting God, we are also talking about obeying him. And this is where the story really starts to get even more interesting. So so we pick up in verse 6. It says, Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so that you may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. And then he says, tell him this. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Go and stand in the river. Now, so he says, take, he says to the priest, carry this Ark, the Ark of the Covenant in front of the people. When you come to the river that is at flood stage, I want you to step into it. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what the priests were saying or thinking in that moment. But I can only imagine. I can only imagine one of those priests going, what did he just say? He wants us to take the heaviest thing we can find around here and go stand in, the, in a rushing river? Yep, that's what he said. And so that's exactly what they did. And see, the, 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 the statement I want to give us here about living by faith is that obeying God at step, we, living by faith means obeying God at step one, even if he hasn't shown us step two. You see, sometimes it doesn't make sense at first. God, you know, following God with faith doesn't make sense. We have to decide if we will follow anyway. You see, the, the Lord hadn't told them any more than this. He just said, go stand in the water. Okay. What's that going to do? I don't know. But it's what the Lord said to do. So they went and they stood in the water. Step one, God often will not show us step two or three until we've taken step one. Have you discovered that? Obeying, living by faith means obeying God at step one, even when we don't know what step two is. Now, what we want God to do is we say, now, Lord, would you just show us how this whole thing develops? And would you show us how how there's going to be a happy ending at the end? Then I'll trust you. All right. But that's not really faith. That's us trying to control the situation. God says, take this step, trust me, trust me. So that's what they did. Now, I've been talking a little bit today about trusting God when it comes to major decisions. Sometimes it just means taking that step into the water just in ordinary days, just day after day. What does that look like? Well, sometimes it, 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 it takes place doing the very things you already know to do. When we pray. We're obeying God. What good is it going to do to pray today? I feel like I've been praying about this for so long. Well, you keep praying anyway. Sometimes we say prayer changes things, but there's a better way to say that, and that is that God changes things when we pray. We don't have magic words. We just talk to a powerful God. And when we pray, we're really we're, we're just trusting God. We're obeying him. We're doing what he tells us to do. We're talking to the one who can change things. 
in, in, our, in our giving, in our tithing. The Lord tells us to give the first fruits of our income to him. Well, how's this all going to work out? I'm barely making ends meet. How do I? This is where we see the Lord provide. It's more about, it's more about faith than it is all the math. It's amazing how the Lord provides. And so it's an, uh, just one of the common, ordinary things we do in the midst of following the Lord or sharing our faith. Sometimes we're so fearful of being rejected. We're so fearful of what the other person will say. But, but sharing our faith, trusting God means we care more about them than we care about our, even our own team. It's a way of trusting the Lord, of taking step one, even though we don't know what step two is going to be. And that's what they did. So we, they're standing in the river. They follow. They don't know what's going to happen. Which leads us to the third, the third aspect that we learn about God. And this is my favorite part of the story. The third truth that we learn about God when it comes to living by faith is this. Is that God works upstream. God works upstream. Look what happens when they obey. Starting in verse 15. Verse 15 says, Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam or Adam uh, in the vicinity of Zarathon. While the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Did you see what happened there? Did you see what, what, the, what he described? And that is that the moment they obeyed, it says the moment that their feet touched the water, God started working upstream. As a matter of fact, about 19 or 20 miles upstream is where the city of Adam was compared to where they were. And it says up there, the water was cut off. We don't know how. We don't know if there was a rock slide right at that moment and the river just got cut off. I don't, we don't know. But somehow, God cut off the water about 19 miles upstream from them. So the moment they touched the water, God acted. Now, here's the thing. They're 19 miles downstream. Did they know that that had happened in that moment? No way. No way. As a matter of fact, they obeyed the Lord, and they stepped in that water. And guess what happened? Nothing. <laughs> you ever done that? You ever taken a step of faith? Best I know, this is what the Lord wants me to do, and nothing's changed. <laughs> and when that happens, we have... If we're not careful, we'll believe that just because I don't see God working, then he must not be working. But that is not true. When they stepped in that water, there was nothing changed. But God was working upstream. He was working almost 20 miles upstream. So what would have happened? They just had to stand in that water. And eventually, little by little, that water would begin to go down. Little by little, it would begin to go down. But they had to stand there. Can you imagine standing 
in front of a million, more than a million people probably. That's, that's how many they estimate. Some would say even two million Israelites at that point. They walk up and they stand and nothing happens. And everybody's watching. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I wonder what, I just can't imagine this happening. Because all of these folks had heard from their parents how many hundreds of times the story of crossing the Red Sea, right? They had heard the story about Moses holding up his staff and, and God parting the, the Red Sea. Charlton Heston leading them right through, like in the Ten Commandments. So, you know, we tend to think that, well, God, because God did it that way, that's what he's going to do now. So they step into the water and nothing happens. I wonder how many thought, boy, as soon as they step, the water's going to part, and it didn't. And somebody yelled them, you're doing it wrong. Listen, almost every time you choose to trust God and step out in faith, somebody will likely tell you you're doing it wrong. Somebody's going to misunderstand. But you keep standing there. You keep standing in that water. Some of you may be there now. Some of you have been taking for a while. You've been stepping into this water, taking a step of faith, and you haven't seen it start to go down. You haven't seen a change yet. But I want to say to you, God's working. I'm standing. I just haven't seen it yet. I've seen the Lord do this in so many times in our lives. One of the times that came to my mind was actually quite some time ago. Beverly and I were just married. It was 1987. How many of you were alive in 1987? Yeah, you know, five of us, something like that. Uh, we were living in Monmouth, Oregon. It's a, it's a college town. I was had been the, a campus minister at the college, and I was the worship leader of a little church plant. We were about three or four years old. And uh, the Lord had allowed us to buy 11 acres of property on the main highway, on Highway 99, for $55,000, which even then was quite an amazing price for 11 acres of highway property. And then we had secured a $100,000 loan to build the building. And we are out, a lot of volunteer help. We're out uh, getting ready. We're working with the excavators. The, the concrete has been ordered to come for the foundation. And a man from the state, from the transportation department of the Oregon Transportation Department comes and says, hey, I see you're, you, you, you're building on this property. Uh, could we see your access right to drive off and on our highway? And we said, your access what? never heard of such a thing they said well about 30 years ago the state of oregon went up and down highway 99 and they pur they purchased all of the access rights so if you're if you're going to build here you need to you have to purchase the access right to drive off and on our highway probably to deal with wear and tear or something like that he said as you know about 10 miles down the road there's a nazarene church that's building and their access right cost them forty thousand dollars well we only had a hundred thousand $40,000 for something like that would just shut us down, right? We're like, well, okay. And we didn't know what to do. We're like, Lord, what is going on? Are you, are you wanting to stop us? Is, th is this what you want? Uh, what? We don't even know how to respond to a access whatever. <laughs> so all we knew to do was pray and say, Lord, 
we're asking to provide, but and so for a week we prayed. We joined together, we prayed, we prayed on our own. We'd like, Lord, somehow see us through this. Well, about a week later, the guy called and wanted to meet with our pastor, and they, they met at a little fast food restaurant or something, and they and he said to our pastor, he said, well, we went back and, and, and I checked our records. In fact, I triple-checked our records to make sure this is right. But he said, it seems that 30 years ago when the state of Oregon bought up all of the access rights on Highway 99, that we purchased every access right except for one. And guess which one? They said, if, he said, if you give me a dollar, you'll be all right. I don't know why he said a dollar. <laughs> And so, you know what? 30 years before we even knew a name, God had been working upstairs. God had been preserving a place for his church before any of us knew there would be a need for him. You know why? Because that's what he does. That's who he is. He works upstairs. He works beyond what we can see. And he's doing that today. He's doing that in your life as you trust him, as you have stepped into the water. And, and again, maybe you're not seeing him work yet. You keep standing. Keep trusting him. You keep living with open hands. Lord, I, I'm not living like this to you. I'm living like this. I belong to you. Now, that doesn't mean he always does what we want. and doesn't mean he does it the way we want or when we want. But he will work according to his purposes and to his glory and we can trust him to do that our role is to trust him and i'll just say one more time if it feels that you've been standing in the water and the water hasn't gone down you keep standing and you keep trusting him why because he is worthy he's worthy of trust now one final thought um, a few years ago beverly and i had the opportunity to go to israel and when we were there, they took us to the very spot that this event happened. The very spot that, that where, where Joshua led the Israelites across the Jordan River. And uh, this had been an important passage to me for many years. So when we found out we were going to get to go there, we were very excited. And as soon as we got there, Beverly and I took off our shoes and socks and we put our feet in that water. The symbolism was very meaningful to us but but we got a, had a surprise that day that the our um, tour guide told us that over the last few years archaeologists and historians have found they believe that at that very spot where joshua led the israelites ac across the jordan was also the very spot where jesus was baptized and, I, and that was like wow the symbolism, the comparisons there. When you think about Joshua who, who led these wandering people from bondage to life. You think about his name, Joshua. Uh, Yeshua in the Old Testament is the Hebrew name for Jesus. The one who came to lead us from bondage to life. The one who came to lead us from purposelessness to great purpose. And when they crossed this, if you keep reading in Joshua, once they crossed to the other side, they said, we have got to remember this day. So they, would, they stacked some rocks as a memorial so they could look back at those rocks and remember what God did. Well, you and I, we don't, 
we don't have a river to look back to. We don't have that stack of rocks to look back to so that we can remember what God did. But you know what we do have is we have the cross of Jesus Christ. Because, see, all of us had a river that we came to that we cannot cross. And, if you will, it's the river of our sin. There's nothing we can do to pay for our sin. So what did Jesus do? He crossed it for us. Through his death on the cross, he took upon himself the death that, and, that we deserved that we might receive life that, that he deserved. And so we can look back and remember the goodness of God when we are still wanting to trust him as we move forward to that next challenge, to that next decision point in our lives. And we remember his goodness. We remember that faith and obedience go together. We remember that he works and is working upstream. The Jordan River crossing convinced the Israelites that God was with them. Let the cross convince you that he is with you. When you come to know him, he is with you every minute of every day, in every battle and in every river you face. So what is that barrier? What is that river that stands between you and where the Lord wants you to go? Will you trust him? Will you take a step into the water? Will you stand there until he makes the way? Man, what an adventure. And if you have never yet come to know Jesus, I hope you will take that step into the water, that step of faith, and you will never be the same again. Let's bow together. Musicians come and uh, I just want to give you a moment. Maybe there's a place where the Lord is asking you to trust Him, where He's brought you to a crossroads, and He's helping you to learn how to live by faith. What does it mean to obey Him in this situation? What does it mean to trust Him? Thank you that you're always working ahead of us. You're working upstream. You're so good like that. I pray for each person here as they seek to discover what it means to, to follow you by faith. That any crossroads they're facing today, that you'll, you'll give them wisdom to know how to trust you and the courage to trust you. To not try to fix it all as we do sometimes ourselves, but to trust you and watch for your moving. Lord, I pray, I pray that they will see you do mighty things. I pray that they, their confidence in you, all of us, our confidence in you would continue to grow as we learn what it means to follow you. I thank, I ask you this, Lord, in the name of Jesus.